0: Production presents Under the Water Tower. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane.
1: Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Derek. Students, if you heard that sound, that means that you are now late for class. Today is Tuesday, August 18th. This is the first morning after the first day of school. If you can tell by the traffic, it is here. It definitely is here. Traffic is something else. I tried to you. Get here to the studio to record this early on the Tuesday morning, and what usually t- what it should have taken me three minutes took me thirty. Upset about it, but not too upset because it does mean that the children are back in school and could not be more excited about that.
0: Derek, you had an opinion earlier off air uh, of the traffic lights in Hernando.
1: Yeah, I mean we, you know, I know that we've always talked about this timing of the traffic lights, and at some point I know this is a, a city thing mixed with an M. Dot thing, and uh, it's just you know it seems like five cars go, and then you've got the the elementary school dumping in right there on Commerce. Hopefully they can they can get that timing worked out at some point i know they're probably waiting for the new four lane is fixed over commerce so it may be a while but uh this morning i was kind of mumbling on, under my breath about it
0: could have something to do with the hourglass shape of the uh i'm sorry under the interstate part of commerce that uh, comes in it's about it uh, shrinks by about five feet coming to the the, the hourglass figure there
1: that is true. That's, that's another topic for another day well, that is on the agenda probably five years from now. So we'll get back to that then. But uh, I do want to just say, uh, hope that everybody had a great first day of school. Didn't seem to be any issues you know, getting kids in and out of school. Didn't hear any issues about anybody having to be sent home. So we hope that continues. Uh, Matt, I know that uh, your children started uh, yesterday. So kind of give me a little just an update on how they did.
0: Yeah, it was our first time uh, our high schooler who can now drive. It was her first time going to school without us or, or somebody dropping her off in her life. But uh, that, went, that went just fine. Uh, and then we uh, took our kindergartner to uh, kindergarten a first day of school for her uh, we have walked our kids in for years and so forth something I noticed Derek was uh, the number of uh, husbands and wives that dropped their kids off together for the first day it was pretty interesting to me we've always done that I was thinking on my way to uh to record this this morning I don't know if my dad ever took me to school first day or if my dad even knew where my first three schools were I don't know exactly if he ever came there but uh anyway good good on the dads and the moms getting together and uh and, and taking the kids to school so that was a good sight to see so uh, again like Derek said or like you said Derek uh, just want to encourage the administrators encourage the the teachers uh, to stay positive and uh, keep working hard uh, doing the best you can we, we we're, we're with you and I know most of them, the vast majority of the DeSoto County parents are praying for you and uh, just eager to have a good year for DeSoto County schools.
1: I agree and uh, you know so we'll just continue like uh, second day of looks like again with the traffic being heavy as we mentioned before that means that people were going to school and they were getting there on time and so continue please do what you can wear the mask in school kids parents please make sure that they're wearing them so we can keep the uh, doors open as long as possible which you know hopefully is through the next may so We just thank you to everybody out there that's made this happen, and again, to continue on, to keep a good attitude about it. As we've mentioned on a couple previous uh, podcasts, gentle and kind to those who may have a different opinion than you and or have chosen a different route for their children for the first part of this year. So again, we just uh, look forward to it and so glad that it's finally here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Derek, you sent me some screenshots of some of the stuff on some of the social media sites uh, here recently. It's amazing how things can escalate pretty quickly (laughs) on the the social media sites uh, real quick. Just stay positive, do the best we can, keep plugging along. DeSoto County is an amazing place um, to live, and uh, part of that is the amazing schools that we have. So uh, shout-out to Corey Uselton and uh, our superintendent and to the teachers all around the county uh, working so hard.
1: That's right. I mean, look, every day is not going to be perfect, but they are in school and they're doing the best they can, and and I think that if they had to make their – own local decisions, they probably would be decisions that are maybe different than other parts of the state. However, they are, you know, are tied as, as one public school system for the state of Mississippi. And so we will just continue on. And look forward again to a great year, uh, Dick. Your kids go to North Point. Things are going well there. It is. They've a uh, first full week. Uh, is today. Started last Tuesday, so this is the first full week. Everything seems to be okay. Drop off, pick up seems to be going smoothly with the new weather habit. Everybody seems to be you know, distancing. I know that I read last night how they have changed the hallways and changed the cafeterias and the public schools. Same thing for the private schools. And uh, athletics are continuing at both both uh, public and private schools too. So, really looking forward to uh, continuing. Thank you to all that made it happen. That's exactly
0: right. Don't forget the um, podcast is brought to you by Precision Services, located here in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner with simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations with over 20 years' experience in the demolition junk removal and construction business precision is eager to bid on your next project give them a call at 662-469-4189 mention the podcast and get five percent off your estimate instantly that's 662-469-4189 podcast is also brought to you by the print house located at 2462 church street in hernando the print house is your one-stop shop for printing services Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts for your family reunion or church group, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105 or find them online at theprinthousems.com. That's 662 298 3105 or at theprinthousems.com.
1: Next thing we want to look at is kind of things going on in the different, a uh, couple different of the cities in the county as well as a couple other things that are going on. So, uh, Matt, why don't you uh, go ahead and let us know about the South Haven Chamber meeting that's going on tomorrow?
0: That's right. As I mentioned on the podcast last week, last Friday, the uh, South Haven Chamber of Commerce informed us of their meeting coming up tomorrow, August 19th. It is a virtual luncheon. The guests will be keynote speaker will be Dr. Jake Lancaster and CEO Brian Hogan. And the virtual luncheon is, is hosted by Baptist Hospital DeSoto. They'll be talking about COVID data and hope for the future.
1: More info is at South Haven Chamber. Com. That's South Haven chamber Also Hernando Parks and Rec. The sign up is continuing for baseball, fall baseball, fall soccer, fall softball and of course a couple of adult sports. That is the Hernando Parks and Rec. Please go to the, the City of Hernando website. Click on Parks and Rec and then registration should be right there. Other cities, South Haven and Olive Branch are also continuing registration. However, I know that a couple of them may be, may be ended uh, but just continued again. South Haven, the City of South Haven website and City of Olive Branch website. Please go to those websites. Look for registration. Uh, I do know that Hernando goes to the end of the month and check the other cities also another thing is is that we will make you aware that sunset on the square which if y'all remember usually takes place every thursday in june was postponed due to the virus the chamber of commerce in hernando has set it up to now take place in september every thursday in september currently is the plan starting september 3rd there will be sunset on the square if you have more info, please reach out to the Chamber of Commerce, Sydney at the Chamber of Commerce. Talk with her about uh, any other information that go along with that. But right now, they are planning to do Sunset on the Square starting September 3rd.
0: That's such a wonderful event that Hernando does. I know my family and dozens of other people, friends of mine, uh, enjoy that every June. Shout out to them moving it to September and still trying to make it happen for Hernando. And
1: I think that, you know, it's important. It is outside. Of course, you will be asked to social distance, you know, kind of keep it in your family groups. But, it, you know, It's outside. You can space out, still talk, be able to see each other, have a good time. Of course, if you want to wear a mask, please wear a mask. But I, I think it is a great event. It brings people to the square, brings businesses to the square, oh, excuse me, business to the square. And I just think that, um, you know, it's a, it's a great event. And hopefully, you know, June starts is when the heat's ramping up. September's hopefully when the heat is kind of edging back down. So hopefully it's kind of similar weather. And uh, really looking forward to that this this year.
0: Absolutely. Moving on on the podcast, uh, tonight's the Alderman meeting, Derek. Every two-week Alderman meeting. The city of hernando uh you and i drew, drew straws and uh and and you lost that one and so you'll be attending the alderman meeting tonight so uh give us a quick rundown on what's going to be happening there
1: I do. uh we've got we're going to look at a couple of the alderman meetings tonight because again uh the first and the third tuesdays of every month are alderman meetings several of the cities we're going to be looking specifically uh real quickly at the hernando uh, meeting and also the south haven meeting the Hernando meeting tonight. There's not too much going on. Of course, we had we talked about the postponement last time, or the tabling of two things that would have been in the agenda tonight. So the main things on the Hernando agenda tonight. Uh, this is uh, Tuesday night at 6 p.m. First one is there's a couple of, of subdivisions, Winningham Estates uh, and Jefferson Place. Both of those are having final plat approvals. These, of course, again, have been uh, platted, have been approved. They're they're basically the continuation of the subdivision in the next phase. And so those will be uh, both discussed and looked at tonight. And then also the main part of tonight would be the public hearing on the proposed budget and tax levies for the fiscal year 2021. So this is the meeting where the public can come, listen to kind of what the alderman and the mayor want to put in the budget, and then decide, you know, okay, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're, you know, talking about. They'll have kind of a public discussion between themselves about what they would like to see added, what they would like to see cut. How could some things be done? And this allows for public input. So you can ask for things to be put in the budget. You know, of course, at different committees, you know, the library comes, other other, uh, uh, entities come and ask, you know, could you please do this? Could you please do that? You know, throughout the year. But this is when it's really kind of haggled down. Now, this is not The final passing, Uh, there will be a, uh, at the next meeting, they will look to discuss passing the final budget. Right now it is the public hearing tonight.
0: Do you know the budget from last year?
1: Off the Not off the top of my head. Yeah. I plan on um, basically, you know, of course, every year the cities have to have a, they have to zero it out. And so uh, I can, you know, kind of look at that and, and be prepared to talk about that for next Tuesday's conversation. But this is something, uh, you know, they obviously, they don't know quite what the sales tax is going to look like because of the coronavirus. Uh, I think cities usually run about three months behind in being able to tell what the sales tax done. So they're, basically a rolling three months behind. So right now in July, they're probably looking at April numbers uh, where they are. So I would say April been the first month where they really noticed a downturn. So they're going to be doing a lot of that, a lot of forecasting based off of not really having all the information of exactly what the coronavirus has done. So, you know, budget seasons are always tough, but you kind of always, okay, well, Hernando's growing at a 2% clip or 3% clip. We know that's not right this year. Now, we do have a couple of commercial things that are coming online. Toyota, of course, is now here, but the taxes will not be collected until next year because they did not open until February. And so, you know, that that is going to be a good shot in the arm for next year. But again, that's next year. Uh, we're trying to budget for 21 to 20, excuse me, September of 20 to Uh, September of 21. And so it's just a very tough thing to do. And, and, you know, just uh, again, it's always kind of a crapshoot. But this year, not knowing what a true virus month looks like or a virus quarter looks like, it's going to make it that much tougher.
0: And I'm sure we don't know anything about any state or federal money. Uh, Will that maybe be talked about like COVID-19 help, that type stuff? Or will they be providing some of that for uh, smaller communities or communities like Hernando, maybe?
1: That's a possibility. Uh, And also, of course, the federal government is also looking at or cities are asking the federal government to look at funding for municipalities. That was largely left out in the, you know, when they passed the uh, taxes or excuse me, the, I guess the the $1,200, you know, per person back in the early spring. And then they gave the $600 extra per week in unemployment. And then when they also, uh, the CARES Act that did the PPP loan, all that was for, again, individuals, uh, maybe those individuals that are you know, not working, and then also for small businesses, but they didn't really address, you know, they did, and they gave money to states. Of course, the state money we talked about on uh, Friday, there's $300 million that was given to the state that are supposed to be given out to small businesses that hopefully people kind of looked into after we talked about it on Friday. For municipalities, they've been kind of left out, and so I think municipalities are really looking for some help. Uh, you know, obviously, every, most uh, Mississippi municipalities' budget season is right now, including South Haven's, and so it's just just a matter of time for you know we kind of look and say okay what can be done municipalities and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Washington to maybe get some money toward them.
0: And circling back you uh, moved pretty fast earlier but the subdivisions that we're, they're going to speak about tonight those subdivisions uh, that's the final plans or next phases of their subdivisions so really not a bunch of uh, talk about there it's already been approved and so forth they're just getting the final kind of push through to finish out those neighborhoods correct?
1: That's correct so a- every phase you know if you see, you know, developers usually do maybe 30, 40 lots at a time in different phases. So what it is, is there's a master plan that's already been approved. And so they're following off the master plan. But for the next phase, so it's like, in, uh, for example, for Jefferson Place, Section C. So I'm assuming that would be the third phase, A, B, C. What well, All they're doing is, okay, this is the third phase. This is what we, you know, originally the third phase, you know, looked like. We requested however many lots. The lots are now finished. The water and sewer are put in. And we're ready to find the final plat on the lot. Approval basically just says, okay, the lots are completed. The work's been done. The engineer signed off on it. And then once this is approved, they'll have the final mylars or the actual plans signed off on by, um, by the owners, by the city, and then by the bank if there's a lender. Uh, and then they will be able to start building on those lots. So great. The, that, those two of those, again, uh, Jefferson Place is going for Section C and Winningham Estates, Section B. So that, those will be just, again, talked about briefly, you know, unless there's some issue with engineering, uh, you know, there shouldn't be too much discussion on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, real quick, the Alderman meeting stuff, the Planning Commission things, the people that have reached out to us about this podcast, what they've enjoyed. One of the main things they've talked about is hearing what's going on with the Planning Commission, what's going on with the Board of Aldermen. People like to know what's in Hernando. Um, we're, we like to be informed. Uh, and most of us like to be informed by something different than a book and, and going back and forth on social media or uh, different conversations that, again, like I said earlier, get, get out of hand pretty quickly. So that's the facts on, on the Alderman meeting tonight. Uh, as we said, we will have someone there to cover it, to take a look at it and kind of give us an update on Friday about what was decided or different things like that. So, uh, just a wonderful thing, um, the Board of Aldermen meeting every other Tuesday, I'm sorry, the first and third Tuesday of each month to, uh, to help lead our city and guide us. Uh, thank you to the Board of Aldermen and the uh, city.
1: Also, I want to mention that the City of South Haven tonight uh, also has their board meeting, you know, looking at their agenda. A couple things. Uh, they're having, they're, they have actually have two items on their planning agenda. There's a uh, looking to rezone 2.89 acres of property on the southeast corner of Getwell Road and College Road. That's going from agricultural to c1 a lot of us know where that is if you're traveling up getwell road at college road that would be right there before dickens place uh, that's they're trying to take that from agricultural to c1 i sat the southeast corner the other agenda tonight uh, to, about planning is the application for a conditional use permit to allow a reader board to be located on chulahoma road so again these are all things that you know, could cause issues, uh, you know, in the area. Now I'm not saying good or bad issues, just issues. And so those will be both coming up tonight. And then there's a couple of renewal of contracts. And then I, uh, looks like just a couple of other things. So, uh, you know, just other, other things are mainly small. So, again, both of these can be found, um, you know, and, of course, City of uh, Horn Lake, City of Olive Branch, we could talk about next time. But both of these can be found out uh, on the city's website. Again, just click go to the city's website, go to the alderman page. Usually there's a separate alderman or government page. And then click on the uh, most current agenda. And that's where you can find this information.
0: And most uh, town websites, if you've ever been to one, Hernando, South Haven, extremely fluid and very easy to follow around. Find what you're looking for, click on it, and uh, and, and go search for it. But uh, let's try and stay as involved as we can in, in our city, involved in our um, discussions about what's going on around our city, because it definitely affects us. Like Derek was talking about earlier, traffic in Hernando, traffic around schools, those type things, uh, definitely something to pay attention to.
1: also want to look at another thing that we're going to start doing on Tuesdays is we're going to uh, give you a DeSoto County Fact. To the week. DeSoto a lot of us are new to DeSoto County and new being, you know, we mean we were not born and raised here. Now I know there are a lot of born and raised locals and you know we know several of y'all and you know think that y'all have done a you know, great job getting the city to the point where it is. But we also want to kind of educate those that may have been just moved in. Uh, those like myself uh, and Matt who have been here 15-20 years uh, and then just uh, you know those as they continue to come in. I mean, this is a growing county And so we just kind of wanted to go over and just kind of do a fact of the week. Uh, And so the fact of the week provided by the DeSoto County Museum. DeSoto County Museum is named Mississippi's best small museum when it opened in 2003. And it's open from Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. Admission is always free. And donations are well. Appreciate Rob Long at the DeSoto County Museum for providing the Facts of the Week. And this week's Fact of the Week is in, on February 9th, 1836, an organizational committee consisting of Felix H. Walker, John D. Martin, Beverly G. Mitchell, and Messieurs Mosley and Cartwright represented DeSoto County in its formal application to the Mississippi legislature for writ of election. Governor Charles Lynch, who had been inaugurated on January 7, 1836 as a Whig Party member, refused to issue the writ. He believed that these new counties would each become Jacksonian Democratic counties that would tip the political stales away from the Whig Party. Local elections were held in these newly created counties in spite of this technicality, and the first DeSoto County officers were C.B. Payne, who was sheriff, Robert Atchison, cir- circuit court clerk, Samuel T. Cobb was the probate court clerk, Humphrey Cobb, probate court judge, Hughie Brown, president of the board of police consisting of Thomas Reed, Samuel M. King, B.G. Cartwright and William N. Williams, that's a great name, J.D. Hollum, State Senator, and Felix H. Walker, State Representative. That was on February 9th, 1836, is when DeSoto County actually became a county and looked to do it that way. So, again, that's the DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to you by, or excuse me, provided by the DeSoto County Museum. If you'd like to sponsor the Fact of
0: the Week, please email us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. That's underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. Reach out to us if you'd like to sponsor the Fact of the Week uh, from the DeSoto County Museum. Derek, I've been to the museum a couple times, just an awesome part of the, the city. Very important part of our history, important part of our town to be able to go back and see where we come from.
1: And also, I mean, if you have not been there again, it's free. It is open. Uh, you do have to have a mask and that sort of thing to get in right now. But the best part about it is, is that, I mean, you know, rich culture and so many people have donated, you know, donated so many uh, worthy things to be able to be put in the museum that, you know, everybody considers, you know, kind of this up here kind of new. We're growing. You know, we only had 3,000 people about 25 years ago in Hernando. And, you know, South Haven wasn't formed until 1980. We have a long, rich history. And so it's very important that you go see that. And not only that, but the Holocaust portion of the museum uh, is just something to see. And it's really moving. Uh, it's it's something I was not prepared to have something that that really nice uh, I'm gonna be honest uh, in the county and it's just so well done and so please if you've never been to the DeSoto County Museum right there on Commerce Street as you're coming toward the square uh, right across from the Bancorp South and the uh, the hardware store and so please just you know, stop in and see it. Uh, it it's well worth your time
0: absolutely thank you to Rob Long for providing us all that information for the fact of the week thank you to Rob for, for manning the museum currently a lot of you guys recognize Rob's name from working uh, lo- locally as as a journalist for probably, what, over 30 years?
1: Oh, it's, um, it, it was a while. A
0: long time, exactly. So thank you to Rob and the DeSoto County Museum. Shout out to them.
1: Uh, we're now turning to sports. You know, with Friday we'll be you know really starting to delve in. Uh, football starts on Friday, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But, you know, we do want to uh, reserve kind of toward the end of every show now that high school sports are starting to kick off to start talking about that. First thing we want to look at is what happened over the weekend. I know that in DeSoto County we don't actually have a basketball team. We do have the hustle. Uh, But for the the NBA team, uh, I guess that the hustle is the quote-unquote minor league four. The Grizz, they were eliminated this weekend, uh, which is unfortunate. Entered as the eighth seed, went out as the ninth seed. So just kind of disheartening playoffs started uh yesterday and it's kind of hard to watch without the Grizz on there but you know hopefully bigger and better things to come for the Grizzlies
0: absolutely I mean rookie of the year John Morant will be named rookie of the year sometime in the coming weeks and uh just a phenomenal talent to uh, build around Jaron Jackson uh, comes on I mean just a very solid one-two punch for the Grizzlies and uh a lot, most people that are going to listen to the podcast don't necessarily keep up with the Grizzlies a lot of us actually have sons that keep up with the Grizzlies I know mine does tremendously mine too. And, yeah exactly yours too Derek so uh that's why we talk about it, it is. It it is local. Anytime you have a professional sports team within 20, 30 minutes of your house, that's a big deal, and that's definitely something to talk about and get some headlines. So I'm excited about the Grizzlies moving forward. The Western Conference is, is just brutal. I mean, it's it's so tough, and uh, I think the Grizzlies are going to get better and better have a good core to build around. Something else we talked about on Friday, Derek, was trying to cover, uh, again, more high school sports and stuff. So let's visit a little, bit, a little bit about what everybody wants to talk about, the big thing, North Point
1: girls' soccer. North Point Girls Soccer, uh, it starts tonight. It starts tonight, and again, uh, we will cover girls soccer in the fall, along with boys football. Now, private school soccer starts a little earlier uh, than public school soccer, so right now it'll be North Point, and uh, we may uh, hopefully we'll be able to get the information for my you know, your Heights' soccer team uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the North Point Girls Soccer team does start today. Their first game is tonight, uh, and we want to preview them uh, briefly, uh, like we will do all local teams. Uh, the first is that, you know, so this is the North Point soccer team coached by Ethan McClure. Coach McClure has been at North Point for a uh, couple years now. Uh, last year's team was had four wins, one draw and nine losses. Uh, they were 0-3 in the district, so kind of struggled last year. They do have six returning starters this year. Uh, Melinda Martinez is an attacking midfielder. Hadley Carson, attacking midfielder. Kelly Hunt, she's a sophomore. She is a striker. Martha Ann Dye, sophomore defensive midfielder. Lane Purdy, freshman left wing. Caroline Court, senior defender. All of these girls led her to last year. And the uh, probably the, uh, the key returning player this year will be Kelly Hunt. She is the leading returning scorer for the team uh, with five goals last year as a freshman. Uh, The outlooks for the season, they're a much-improved team. Coach really thinks that they're coming together now. Uh, They've learned a lot through a tough, they had an injury-ridden season. They lost three girls to injury last year for the season. Uh, And they've worked incredibly hard and improved so much of this offseason. So his goals this year to have a winning season, number one, and to prove every game and hopefully to make a push for the playoffs. Uh, Their first game will be tonight. It is at home versus Brighton at 530. So if you're interested in seeing girls' soccer, whether you have a, a girl there or not, there are restrictions Again, like all Mississippi schools, there are all restrictions. Uh, so please check with the school on whether or not uh, outside of the immediate family. Uh, If you can come, and this goes not only for this soccer game tonight, but also of high school football and for soccer games to come. But, again, tonight, 530 versus Brighton at home. Private school soccer at
0: North Point. So, Brighton's a public school team in Tennessee. Okay, so. But Mississippi soccer starts a little bit later.
1: It does. Public school soccer, I believe, starts, uh, practice starts end of October, beginning of November, and their their season goes through the winter.
0: Okay, exactly. I remember soccer, when I was growing up, was was in the colder months. So, I figured that was still the, the, the way. I think that was so kids could play football and soccer Something. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah. And look, and, and McNeil, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, North Point's second game will be at McNeil Heights next week. So we can have a breakdown of both those teams then. So we're just really looking forward to a soccer season, just basically high school sports in general. Cannot be more excited that it's here. Private school, public uh, school,
0: uh, we want to shine a light on them. They're working so hard uh, each and every week for uh, for their teams. And so we want to shine a light on, on them as much as we can. So that's the main reason we're, we're doing that and, and covering the, the women's soccer team. And we're going to cover a number of different sports. I mentioned last week, my daughter's on the swim team. I don't. I don't know for we'll you know dive in the pool with that per se to talk about swim, but uh, you know all these Desoto County athletes, private, public, doesn't matter. We we just want to uh, celebrate them and, and just glad that just glad that school started back and glad that uh, sports is coming around because it's such an important part of these young people's lives.
1: And coaches, remember, uh, please give us your information. Uh, we've reached out to several of all of the football coaches actually in the area. We've reached out to all the public schools to North Point to Magnolia Heights. And so if you could please give us the information now. I know on the public schools the jam- first jamborees, is not to the twenty eighth the first uh, regular season game is not till September 4th so you've got a little time but if you could please uh, reach out to us and get us the information uh, kind of what I just read out returning starters uh, kind of what your base offense defenses are the coaches names if you want to put those in there all that information uh, that was emailed to you please respond when you can we would love to be able to break down each team before their first game like we just did the soccer uh, team and also for the girls soccer coming up you do have a couple months to get it to us but we really will look forward and we want to do this literally for every team in the county before the first game and then after the first game we will break down kind of a simple couple minute box score for each game uh, after every game each week so again this is something we want to provide to you we want their uh, the kids to be celebrated and so we're just really looking forward to it but we were going to lean on you for the information so as soon as you can reach out to us parents if you want to hear your child's name uh, on here please ask the coaches the principals the ad's to just get us the information you know we're not looking for a dissertation we just would like, you know, just a, a few things. And if they need to reach out to us, you know, under the water tower info at gmail.com uh, or if, if they can respond to the email that I sent personally uh, to each one of them last week. That's exactly right, Derek. Thanks for working hard on that. Something else that
0: affects us locally, I mean, obviously on a larger level, uh, regionally, the SEC. As of right now, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC are all planning to play, continue to play, uh, working hard towards the football season. They've released uh, They released last night their full schedule. Um, so we'll talk more about the full schedule as we get closer to the games. But that's a big deal for a lot of us uh, Ole Miss fans nearby, a lot of us state fans nearby that will be listening to the podcast. So that's a that's a really big deal. But uh, Ole Miss, September 26th, opens up against the Florida Gators. Uh, so Florida will be coming to town. I think it's the first time Florida's come to Oxford in, in over a decade. So going to be a, a, a fun time. I'm not sure if there will be fans available or uh, fans allowed. We don't know that yet. But I know the SEC is working about as conservatively. If you can be conservative aggressive but to have a good experience for our fans for the football team for our schools to celebrate those young men and uh, see what they can do on the field I've said it many times the record this year does not matter you're not being judged in my opinion on the record this year with what's going on both coach Leach in Starkville and Kiffin in, o- in Oxford such a crazy time or a very interesting time in our world I think the most important thing for the SEC is getting the games played to keep it real simple getting the games played and receiving the the TV money at the uh the end of the year I think that's the most important thing or their goal right now and so that that makes such a big difference on the entire university people don't like to admit it but football kind of runs the show football fills the coffers for uh, the rest of the season so there's a lot of sports uh, both male and female that benefit from what football does so uh it or not it's it's reality it's the truth and um I'm just looking forward to some football
1: me too and again great schedule this year I don't know if you've looked at both teams home schedule both state and Ole Miss the fact that we're only playing SEC teams and the fact that we picked up two more SEC teams than in, on a normal year you've got five SEC home games could not be more pleased. Now, issue is, with only allowing 25% of the fans, I'm not a top 25% giver. Therefore, I may not be at a home game, probably will not be at a home game. Uh, and, and to be honest, I hope they allow the students to be able Absolutely. to go. I hope, you know, I know that's going to eat into the bu- budget. I know that you know 25%, you're already taking a loss for the year anyway. But I hope that both schools Allow the students, and again, not on both schools, all SEC schools. Allow the students to uh, to first priority to get in there at least five thousand at each school to be first priority because they they their school there, they want to be there, they support, they get there an hour early before the game starts to you know to start getting ready to start screaming, and so they need to be allowed to be in the game. So I hope that when they're doing their you know social distancing rules and they're setting up where you can sit, where you can't sit and et cetera, I hope that they do give concessions to allowing the students to be there and then reaching out to the major donors after that. Because I just, you know, w- without the students there, for Ole Miss, 25% is about 16,000, 17,000. If it's just, you know, high donors or whatever, it's going to be a pretty quiet crowd. So I, I really yeah. hope they allow the students in for all the SEC teams. Couldn't be more right. And, and again, Derek, those, those kids are already on campus with them. They're already there.
0: They go to class with them. I know Ole Miss is some, some mixture of virtual and uh, in-person for class. They're in Oxford. Uh, it's their – college years their 18 to 23 year old years football games are a major part of that in the sec they absolutely should allow the students to attend the games follow the rules as rules as best they can but but yeah they should they should be a part of those games at this time uh, no doubt about it so again mississippi state travels to lsu to start on september 26th so uh, not an easy one for uh, for for coach leach to start on uh, and then Ole miss hosts florida on the 26th september 26th so uh, pretty tough um you know if we're if we're predicting we're probably Thinking both teams may start off zero and one. I don't know yet. I'm
1: <laughs> thinking I'll think an almost one and zero. No,
0: I don't know about all that. So, uh, but anyway, in college football as a whole, like I said a few minutes ago, ACC, ACC still planning to play. Big Twelve still planning to pay, play. SEC they're all partnering up and saying, hey, let's go at it. Let's let's be be forward thinking and move forward. These kids have worked hard, so let's put them on the field. The Pac-12 already canceled their season. The Big Ten has canceled their season. Derek, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with that, but the Big Ten commissioner, his son plays for Mississippi State. Plays for Mississippi State. That is plays correct. Plays for Mississippi State. Plays tight end for Mississippi State. So the Big Ten commissioner, who has canceled the season for thousands of football players, has a son that's going to play football and start with Mississippi this this uh, this fall. So a lot of people. It's a big topic going around all around the country. Parents of Iowa, Ohio State. Penn State have written letters to the Big Ten saying to them, let these kids play. Justin Fields, the quarterback for Ohio State, the star quarterback, be a top dra- draft pick, still begging to play. So these kids have worked super hard. We can we can sit here and talk about it all day long as far as what's the thing. You and I have talked about it many times off of air. So much of this stuff, sadly, comes down to the P word. Political. So much of it is. If you pay attention to the politics right now of who's playing and not playing, it is amazing to me how political high school and college football has become and the pawns that these kids have been pushed into being. Pretty sad. And uh, if you if you want to educate yourself on it, go educate yourself on it. Um, it's pretty sad that the, the kids in democratic States, uh, seem to be uh, not playing football, and then the the kids in the in the more Republican states uh, they're practicing and getting ready for a football season. So go educate yourself on it. It's amazing to me how, how this has gone down, but it's it's the the reality of the world, especially during an election year.
1: It is. It's just it's unfortunate to be very partisan, and hopefully we can get back just to at some point just playing football and letting things just play out on the field, and you know keep a lot of the other drama out of it. But one piece of drama that I am missing is the fact that Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but Saturday night. Halloween is on a Saturday night this year correct <laughs> it is yes that is correct so if it's a Saturday night uh and you know college football is going to be played why is LSU and Ole Miss not playing on Halloween night makes no sense it makes no it's, sense I they, mean the SEC do they have any history do they have any you know I mean can, can you think back I don't know what happened in 59 you know help me out here I'm, I'm you know that was a, a pr- pretty uh, uh, momentous game Billy Cannon down the sideline to beat Ole Miss absolutely <laughs> Yeah. So, and then basically for years, maybe even decades, but I know years that the Ole Miss LSU game was always the Saturday around uh, Halloween. Always, it was always right there, right before, right afterwards. And now you have it on Halloween night in a pandemic year when you're only playing SEC teams and don't set them up to play. That's right. I and mean, some people are going to make a little pushback on the uh, on the Facebook
0: page or the um, the email on this one. But people that are forty, people that are 55, 50 and older. LSU is Ole Miss's biggest rival, period. That's a fact. LSU is Ole Miss's biggest rival for people 50 and older. 50 and younger, obviously, it's going to be more of a, a startable Oxford thing. But LSU, historically, is Ole Miss's biggest rival. And so, yeah, you're totally right, Derek. They miss a big opportunity right here, putting Ole Miss, putting LSU uh, on the field together for Halloween.
1: I mean, I love the LSU State first game. And LSU plays Ole Miss last. I mean, they went ahead and, you know, they put uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss kept us the Thanksgiving game, of course, the Saturday afterwards, which is fine, except for it's not the last game. They actually gave Ole Miss the last game against LSU on December 5th. So, again, just I love the fact that they're playing. I love picking up two more SEC teams. I love being able to truly have an SEC champion when this whole thing breaks down and and, and gets done. Uh, However, you know, just – couple of the scheduling quirks you know just just didn't quite sit right with me but again i'm looking forward to september 26th that's
0: right and uh coming up this friday typically like derek said earlier we're going to have uh talk more about sports about uh, high school football on fridays and so this coming friday first football game in the Soto county area is going to be at Magnolia Heights. Magnolia Heights is going to be hosting the Lee Academy Colts. We're going to talk more about this game on Friday. But uh, please get out and support these kids, these local uh, kids, as, the, as they go through their the, the beginning of their football seasons. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, Derek, when we were talking about kids that weren't able to play. My junior year of football, after seven games, I had to have appendix surgery. Missed the last three games of my junior year, and it was miserable. It's one one of the most miserable times, definitely in high school, not being able to play. So the fact that these governors or these uh, counties or whatever they are uh, are not allowing these kids to play, uh, it's amazing. Just the the sportsmanship and the uh, fellowship – uh, friendships and stuff like that that are made playing football, playing fall sports, um, not being able to, to happen. I can't imagine what these kids are, are are going through as far as not being able to play, just because you know, no fault of their own is a tough part. And so, uh, just really feel for them. But uh, but in the meantime, we're going to celebrate the ones that are playing. We're playing in this area, and we're going to get after it. And we're going to uh, cheer these kids on. Uh, Hernando actually uh, scrimmage on the 28th, and then they play a uh, game. Have to open up against South Panola on September 4th, which we're going to talk tons more about that. Not an easy opener for Coach Wolf and the Tigers, but uh, we will be
1: talking more of that, about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, not to be a one-upper, Matt, but I am going to one-up your injury. My junior year uh, is when I tore my ACL, literally the last play of the last practice before the first game. So Wednesday afternoon, we always did a walkthrough on Thursday. Wednesday afternoon, the last play, coming around, blocking on a sweep, leg taken out. And uh, just yeah, but, And that's when you had the, the neck roll, right Didn't you, have I, the, the, I had, you had the, I neck, had roll the, uh, the neck roll. neck uh, roll. What was it Ken Norton Jr, the neck roll coming out of the pads? I was played linebacker also. again, this was for a small 1A school for y'all that know what I look like. Yes, that is correct. So I had a neck roll and could not raise both hands above my head. To tut, to to intercept a pass. If I had intercept a intercept, so pass, why would you
0: wear a neck roll where you couldn't raise your arms?
1: Uh, because my mom would not sign the permission for me, for me to play football without a neck roll on. That is the honest truth. And this is before, this is prior to cowboy collars. No, oh, this is this is straight, just straight old school four
0: layer neck roll. What about the uh, so kind of like the all the right moves, Tom Cruise? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Speaking of Tom Cruise, not not near that good looking. Uh, not near that on-screen fast. Shape now, like I'll, him though. I would like. Oh, definitely shape yeah, like him. Yeah. Probably the height of Tom Cruise. Five six. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, I actually have Tom Cruise then, uh, but again, just uh, had the had the thing, had the neck roll. I did not have the midriff shirt. Okay, I wish I, I wish they would allow. Well, you that. do
0: now, like you wear it now. I've seen you walking your dog.
1: Yeah, I'm, and there may be some schmidiums walking the dog, but uh, again, just you know, just fantastic. But yeah, I missed the entire junior year with a torn ACL. So, again, miserable experience. I'm glad that the kids are being allowed to play. But, again, this comes down to us being smart, doing what we need to do per the CDC. I know some people do not like it. I know that there's some people fight against it. But if we if the schools follow the rules for the CDC, it will allow them to stay open, it will allow them to play and then, you know, but if, you know, of course if if you don't do it, if they see that things are going against the rules, you know, the governor of course or whoever will come in and shut it down. So, again, yes, two participants per player for the month of August is, you know, excuse me, two people per participant is limiting it. Uh, probably good for gyms, probably good for volleyball. I would probably actually agree with it for those type sports. But outside, it's tough. But again, if you have cheerleaders, if you have football players, and you have a band, that's still going to be a couple hundred people. So it's not like it's going to be empty stadiums. So again, let's, let's you know, go out there, let's have fun, and we will be looking to break down that game on Friday night. Absolutely. And again, parents, please reach out to us, parents,
0: coaches, uh, under the watertower info at gmail.com. That's under the watertower info at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. On Instagram, UTW podcast that's UTW podcast on Instagram on Twitter UTW pod that's UTW pod on Twitter and most importantly please hit subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast whether it be Apple music iTunes or uh, Spotify please uh, subscribe to, to our podcast so we can continue to grow and continue to uh, visit with advertisers about advertising on our, on our show if you'd like to advertise on our show Please reach out to us uh, again at the email that we just mentioned under the info at gmail.com.
1: All right, Matt. Well, that seems to wrap up this show. Uh, Again, we'll come back to you on Friday, talk about, to break down the game. We'll talk about what happened at the Alderman meetings uh, tonight, and also look at a couple more things. Hopefully, we're still talking that everything's going smoothly at the schools, but any update on those, we'll have that then. So, Matt, you got anything else?
0: No, that's it, Derek. Just uh, excited. Again, school to be back in. Uh, Looking forward to a wonderful year with our kids. Well, I'm Derek. And I'm Matt
1: join us next time Under the Water Tower.
0: All in all, it's just a, another brick.